Hello, my name is Zachary Trailer, and you are listening to Morning Voice, A Political Journey, episode number 22, Government Bureaucracy. Today I want to start out by reading an excerpt from Mr. Richard Gonis's Politics from A to Z. It's a great introductory book for politics, and it's very digestible for the average person who doesn't have time to read the original Federalist Papers, Karl Marx, or... Uh, the the works of John Smith. I want to start with his, it's a Soviet term and I will be butchering it, called apparatchik. The term has become popular, has become part of everyday English. And to, and to help with my illiteracy, I will simply be saying apar, apparat, from now on. It is often used to mock or ridicule someone who is seen as a soulless bureaucrat. The word is a holdover from the former Soviet Union, where it was used to describe lower-level officials who worked in the apparat or the apparatus of the government or the Communist Party. In contrast to other workers in Soviet society, some of these did not retain their position for life, and many had to wait until midlife before receiving their appointment. It goes on to say that these people were seen as incompetent, lazy, and more focused on the bureaucratic detail than the actual production of a good. And the reason I think this is funny is because throughout many societies, especially those suffering a huge societal decay and overall mismanagement, you will see that this same term resonates time and time again. And it's very simple. It is because... Those who have nothing to produce, those whose job it is simply to constrict and to leech off of society, are those that produce nothing and, and are instead on a form of government welfare. Government jobs are necessary for sanitation, construction, ed- education, many different aspects. Yet, when you are a bureaucrat whose job it is to make a PowerPoint red, yellow, green, and all the different shades of a rainbow, you produce nothing and you are on government welfare through a job program. It is how many of us, when I was in the army, how many of us infantrymen felt wasting our time away. There's a joke that the army stands for adult, what is it? army adult uh adult risk male youth or at risk male at risk male youth and it's simply because we see it as a way to prevent crime poverty and and uh teen pregnancy by giving a bunch of at risk male youth a steady job a way to harness their masculinity and their more aggressive side through pt um firing these huge-ass weapons that are really cool. Um, my favorite was the 240. But these are ways that the government is helping to prevent a societal decay. And the issue is when it becomes so severe to where one in six workers, one in six people employed in the United States works for the, feder- for, works for the federal, state, county, or local level, it shows the amount of inefficiency and waste we have. We need to reallocate those funds to actually help those in need. 
There is no reason a multi-million dollar program should see only tens of thousands reach those it seeks to help. This is one part where Republicans have a faction of their party seeking to solve a problem. It is often demonized by those who, frankly, are too idealistic and care more about philosophical uh, gotchas or victory, phallic victories, one in name only, than they are about genuinely tackling the program. And it is because of that that the Libertarian Party is unelectable in America. Many of their causes are valid. Hell, my tenth point states that I want a sustainable government budget, crafting a responsible, sustainable, and balanced budget to ensure financial stability for future generations. This is a libertarian right-wing talking point that honestly has much credence in our society. Why should we be pawning off the debt of why should we be pawning off our debt to generations who, who will not see the fruits of it? We must pay our fair share. It's only but to do that, we also must eliminate the apparata in our in our government. Because that those resources could be anywhere from 10, 20, 30, 40% of our budget. And reallocating that will do much more than taxing. Throughout our nation's history, it has been shown that only one that, that a steady tax rate, regardless of if it's tariffs, regardless of if it's income tax, corporate gains, capital gains, whatever. 20% is our general overall taxed income. This is what we need to learn to live with. How we need, what we need to do is from that 20% or less when our economy grows as it should, we need to make sure that our society is benefiting and using it more effectively. We do not need leaders who are wasteful with pork belly spending. Here's a great example. Whenever the interstates were developed, they had a perfect opportunity to make them more efficient, save on cost, and help with traffic. Design them and build them outside city limits, and then create uh, minor routes that uh, basically uh, giant uh, intersections so that way you get off the highway and you take a separate smaller one to get to the city. It would allow for faster uh, travel, and it would uh, decrease the... Uh, traffic and wear and tear on the system it was brought against because large cities lobbied and paid money so that way they could have increased sales and, and increased tax dollars which is great in theory but the cost and the taxes lost through through expenses does not make up for it it is why whenever i talk about my infrastructure and transportation overhaul i want to create these high-speed rail links through vital regions I want to revitalize small towns while also making sure that those who will benefit from it most, big cities, are, are receiving their fair share. We are going to be using largely a workforce from suburban and rural North Carolina. We must make sure that they gain not only from, the, uh, from, from their weekly payroll, but also through sustained uh, generational growth, the impacts of this. It's why when I say we uh, connect Fayetteville to Raleigh, I'm not saying we should follow all the way out I-95 and then veer left uh, following I-40. 
those regions are already seeing the billions of dollars of economic investment and state investment into their highways. Instead, I'm saying let's grow, let's go up and connect ourselves with Spring Lake and Samford, so that or, or Lillington. So that way, when you're going up through Raleigh, these cities who are going to be the 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 heart and blood, those uh, spending their time, their golden years helping to construct these, are going to be able to afford and be able to use these systems. It's why whenever we develop our third leg and second leg connecting Raleigh and Charlotte, yes, we need to make sure that we eventually have a, a link connecting us through uh, falling I-85. How and I forty, uh, through Greensboro, Winston Salem, and such. However, they are connected through a highway system. Instead, let's be let's work smarter, save money, and go through Ashboro, Pittsboro, Concord. Make sure that these smaller, medium-sized towns in the in the counties that they sit in, are going to be receiving, the economic the same economic, uh, prosperity as those bigger and medium-sized cities. It's why when the system, the, the first portion of the system is connected, you would be able to go from Charlotte to Fayetteville directly with a stop in Southern Pine slash Pinehurst, and then right before the uh, Uwara State Forest. That would be the southernmost direct route that would take an hour or less. If you want to go straight from Charlotte to Raleigh, you would have one, two, three, four stops, five stops in total. Raleigh would be the fifth. And you would stop in Concord, Ashboro, um, Raleigh, and two others that I'm, I'm blanking on right now. But this would follow state routes and give those cities a reason to become an economic heartland. Whenever you have a north-south route, so that way you're able to go from Ashboro to Fayetteville without going all the way east to Raleigh or all the way west to Charlotte, is we're going to have an intersection there. And it will allow Fayetteville to go from there to Spring Lake. Again to Samford, uh, the intersection next to Ashboro, and then you would finish it all the way up to Greensboro and Winston-Salem. From there, you have a strong, reliable system. You'd be able to use state, uh, small and regional construction firms to have consistent maintenance on it. You aren't going to have to worry about uh, interstate construction or, or federal interference because it is a state-run a state-run and state-funded program. This is why, while I love libertarian ideology, I hate, I love being the, you know, it's why I think home ownership is so important as you become your own, your own person, your own man, your own woman, your own family. You become a, a avid, you know, property taxpayer into your community. I do believe that we also need to be cautious of the inaction, the government inaction, as the status quo is not one that we want to per that we want to perpetuate. Thank you and vote trailer for 44.